You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Friday edition of the show. Doesn't feel like Friday, does it? No, but it just got a whole lot better about five minutes ago, my friend. Auburn pulls off the victory over Jacksonville State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They win by 19. Noah Gardner, welcome in here, my man. It's a good day, man. Weather's nasty out. Hope everybody's staying dry. Hope everybody's having a blessed Friday afternoon. War Eagle to all the Auburn folks out there. Auburn advancing to the second round to play the winner of the game following this one. USC and Miami, but Auburn taking down Jacksonville State 80-61. to just a good game for Auburn I don't think they played well over the first 10 minutes but after those first 10 minutes the last 30 were really really fun they didn't play great the first 10 I'll give you that but they didn't play bad and Jacksonville State made everything that they put up some tough shots a lot of their threes they started out five of six from the three-point line and then they missed their next eight in the first half and Auburn was still winning Auburn was still ahead and then they turned it on and I'm going to tell you what, my friend, I know this is just the first game of the tournament, but now Auburn is one down and five to go. Auburn has to win five more games in a row to be national champions. And I understand that it was a two versus a 15. I understand that it's just Jacksonville State. And I understand that Jacksonville State realistically probably shouldn't have even been in the tournament because of Bellarmine winning the conference and all that, whatever. But this Auburn that we just saw today looked really good. And if Auburn plays like this throughout the rest of this tournament, it's going to be really, really hard for a team to beat Auburn right now. Again, they're going to play tougher teams every time out from here on out. I get that. They're going to play tougher defenses, play better opponents, play more athletic, better basketball teams. I get all of that. Better coached. Better coached, absolutely. And we've seen Bruce Pearl get outcoached at times, especially this year. But the team that we just saw play this afternoon – with the name Auburn written across their chest, they looked really, really good. And they they looked better than they have in a long, long time. The best they've looked in the last couple of months, if you ask me. I definitely think when you pick up at about the six-minute mark of the first half, six minutes left to go in that first half, because Jacksonville State had a lead with 539 left in the first half, 24-22. to 22. Jacksonville State had a lead. I think from that moment on, you saw Auburn get scorching hot, made a lot of their threes. Obviously, their talent was able to flex its muscles and assert itself, and you were waiting for that takeoff point, and they took off at about five minutes left in the first half. It didn't look back, started knocking down their jumpers. You see what this team can be when they're hitting shots, when they're hitting their threes. Auburn still didn't shoot the cover off the ball today, especially inside the arc. Auburn's three-point percentage was 37 and a half. They hit nine threes, nine for 24. I will definitely take that to the bank every day of the week. Inside the arc, not as impressive, but as a team, shot 44%. It's not great. It's not bad. I would have liked to have seen Auburn be a little bit more efficient today, but they still dropped 80 points in the win. I know I'm sounding like I'm being a little nitpicky, 
They didn't shoot the free throws particularly well, just 68% from the charity stripe. But overall, they out-rebounded Jacksonville State 50-32, to had 19 offensive rebounds, including one from Jabari Smith that resulted in an exclamation point at the end of the ball game, a thunderous dunk. Auburn had 23 assists. That's a great side, 23 assists on 28 made buckets, only 11 total turnovers. So as a team, had a 2-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio. You don't see that often in college basketball. And then, of course, they had 10 blocks. I thought they defended the rim really well. I've said this a few times on the show in recent weeks. When your three-point percentage is higher than your overall field goal percentage, it means you didn't get it done in the paint. And that was the case for Jacksonville State. And they only shot 32% from three. And this is a team that could shoot into the 40s after starting the out season. Five of six from the three. That means they missed a lot after that. Right. And so Auburn defended the rim really well, dominated the battle in the paint, out-rebounded Jacksonville State plus 18. They scored when they got it down low. I thought Auburn had a really good game. Of course, it took them about 14 minutes to get their affairs in order. But once they did, there was no looking back, and Auburn looked really good. The big thing is about the NCAA tournament, and you were saying, you know it's just Jacksonville State. And Charles Barkley was just talking about this on – what channel are we watching? True TV. That's right. They're on True TV. Sorry, I had to ask myself that. What channel are we watching again? <laughs> Charles Barkley was talking about how the NCAA tournament provides teams with a chance to reset right you come into the NCAA tournament it didn't matter what you did at the end of the regular season or in conference tournament play because look at all the teams that played so well in their conference tournaments and look at what happened to those guys yesterday Iowa be gone Indiana made it to the semifinals for the first time in the Big Ten tournament since like the early 2000s got annihilated right you look at some of the mid-major teams that performed well of course Richmond continued their streak out of the a10 but that was pretty much it as far as teams that looked good in conference tournaments it was a bad day for those teams yesterday you have to reignite i said this on the show yesterday and i'm glad that charles barkley kind of reiterated that point to kind of prove what i'm saying and kind of validate what i'm saying the ncaa tournament's a completely different scenario you play two games at one location then you have to fly out to another location five days later you'll play two games there then you'll fly to the next location and you'll play two games there and that's how the NCAA tournament works if you're so fortunate to advance that far. And every single game is different. Just because Auburn did this to Jacksonville State, they're going to have to reignite against USC on Sunday. You've kind of got to regenerate momentum at every site that you go to, right? This momentum here in the Jacksonville State game and how well they shot today may very well carry over to Sunday, but it's also two days apart. Then you've got to go a whole week or almost a whole week without playing. Now, all of a sudden, it's a new location, a new environment, new walkthroughs, new teams, better teams, new sightlines, whole different arena. It's a whole different scenario when Auburn goes to Chicago. And so they're going to have to regenerate momentum if they make it that far to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. And then it's a whole different ball game when you make it to the Final Four and or the National Championship. So the NCAA tournament spread over the course of a month. It is about getting hot, but it's more about sustaining that heat because sometimes the heat can only last one game. I wouldn't be shocked. St. Peter's just beat one of the best teams in the tournament. I would not be shocked if they lose by double digits to Murray State tomorrow. And there's no doubt, and that that's what makes the NCAA tournament so special. It's what makes it the hardest tournament and championship to win or one of in sports just because, like you said, you play two games in three days, then you take a four- or five-day break, and then you do it again. And then if you win, you do it again. And that's what makes it so difficult. But 
to to go back to your point on Auburn's slow start in this game against Jacksonville State again Auburn winning 80 to 61 in round one of the NCAA tournament their slow start they haven't played in over a week they lost last Friday so it's been a week right since they played in a basketball game so maybe that had something to do with it maybe not but we've seen Auburn start slow enough oh yeah I agree playing over a three or four day window right if anything the freshness of having a week off should have benefited this team and I'm not saying that it didn't but it's fair to look at this and say yes Jacksonville State played really well through the first 15 minutes but I think it's also fair to say that Auburn shouldn't have been down by six at one point well beyond 10 minutes in the first half but I mean that doesn't really bother me it really doesn't because it should if it's USC or Miami I think it's going to be Miami that's my I've got that not that brackets mean anything anymore because all of those are destroyed but I have Miami still winning this game. It comes up in a few minutes here on True TV, so we'll keep up with that as we're on the air. But, I think it should definitely bother you if it's Miami because they shoot the basketball better than USC. <laughs> but I don't think this will happen again. It might. It very well might. And I'm not. I'm. I'm trying to force myself to not just fully buy into the, like Auburn's going to beat everybody. Yeah, I'm kind of blown away at but, your change of stance. considering how you've talked about this team and how it could rear its head at any moment it could but this is the first time in over a month I've been able to watch an Auburn basketball game and watch this team play and say wow they actually look halfway decent you know what I'm saying so they had some good home games yeah but they had some good home games this is this is not playing the Neville Arena this is this isn't playing Vanderbilt at home you know what I'm saying this is completely different this is when it actually matters and so I don't know this team's probably worse than Vanderbilt let's be honest Jacksonville State's worse than Vanderbilt but you know what I'm saying (laughs) you know what I'm saying this isn't a home game against a bottom four team in the league this is the NCAA tournament where you win or you go home and yes Auburn started they started out slow they didn't make their shots I like the effort defensively I think they played great defense pretty much for 40 minutes against a great offensive team against a great offensive team a team that made unbelievable shots in the first half the first 10 or 15 minutes they knocked down their threes Auburn was punched in the mouth early we've seen it all season long and yet they they responded they rebounded extremely well from that even and coming out of the half this is why the first half doesn't worry me because Auburn came out in the second half with a big lead and what did they not do they didn't blow it what they not do start out slow they came out and picked right back up where they left off there's a at lot the end to of the like about half. auburn's 26 minutes of good basketball there's exactly. a lot to like exactly and so yes they still have some issues 100 percent. but i think everybody played pretty well across the board for auburn when you look at it alan flanagan scored double digit points for maybe the first time maybe only First time in a month, probably on the first few times all season long. Scored double digits against A&M late That's in the what I was, yeah, yeah, I think he had like 16 against A&M. But, you know, he hasn't been that big of a scoring quote-unquote threat in a while. And he only had two turnovers. Jabari had the most turnovers on the team with three. One of them was a late charge call there with a few minutes left in the game. But Auburn as a team only had 10 turnovers, but 23 assists on 28 made baskets. You said that. That is, that is high-level offense. When you talk about a team trying to make a run in the tournament, I liked what I saw today from Auburn. There's some things still absolutely to fix. And just because you win the first game against 15 seed Jacksonville State does not mean it's going to all come together when you play either a 7 or a 10 on Sunday evening. So Auburn cannot get in their heads, but they looked like they were having fun and enjoying it. They looked comfortable the entire time, didn't look overwhelmed, didn't look like it was too big for them. I liked what I saw. Are there still issues? Yeah, absolutely. Could Auburn come out in the next game and start extremely slow and get down by double digits? Yeah, 
absolutely. Could Auburn lose in the next game? You bet. They absolutely could. But if they play the way they did today and continue to get better as the teams that make runs in March do, this team has a a legitimate chance to do something special. 100%. I think that's a big if still with this team. And I said on the show yesterday and all throughout the week that I've got Auburn to the Elite Eight, which is farther than many people might have been willing to predict them to go after seeing Auburn perform the way that they have performed over the last month. So I don't want you to think that I'm not on board with Auburn going on a run here in the NCAA tournament I definitely believe that Auburn has a pretty good path to the elite eight I just want to see this continue against a team that I that can actually play some good defense and USC can play some good defense if they get USC if they get Miami I might still be skeptical Miami I don't think is a great basketball team I think they can shoot the ball well but outside of that I think they're so-so on defense and they bobbed their head up and down in a really down American Athletic Conference this year not American Athletic Conference Atlantic Coast Conference this year but going back to the box score for Auburn getting away from Auburn's future and still talking about today over Jacksonville State which for those of you not joining us if for some reason you missed this game Auburn won 80 to 61 over Jacksonville State to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament in the Midwest region here's what you should glean from the box score balance had some folks call in about saying that Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler you would need those guys to carry you through the NCAA tournament I don't disagree that they need to be your biggest scoring threats they need to be your primary scoring options but I think other guys need to chip in for Auburn to be successful and there needs to be balance coming from the rest of the roster and Auburn had everybody chip in today in an efficient way Jabari of course went six for 13 hit four threes at 20 points I love that performance he had 14 rebounds as well Walker Kessler had a double double 13 and 10 he was six for 11 I love those stat lines because it's clear that they were the emphasis that they were the primary scoring options that you did want those guys to be your primary threats it just also shows that they got those opportunities organically when you see that Wendell Green shot the ball five times Devin Cambridge shot the ball five times Jalen Williams was three for three Katie Johnson had eight shots Alan Flanagan had nine shots there was balance outside of those two and all of those guys were chipping in Flanagan had 10 points Katie Johnson had 10 points Jalen Williams had eight points Wendell Green had nine points Wendell Green had six assists as well seven assists for Katie Johnson my man's learned how to pass the basketball on a fast break no less he dished one off to Walker Kessler for a two-handed jam four assists for Zepp Jasper there was a lot of balance and it shows with those assist numbers being 23 assists in this game that it all happened organically that the ball found its way to the two best scores on the floor for Auburn that will happen you don't have to force it to them you know how it'll happen organically if other guys chip in and they can score the basketball too because now all of a sudden you have to guard everybody you don't just have to guard two individuals and it comes from the thing that I've been saying all season long that for Auburn to be successful two out of the three have to play good now today Auburn had all three Wendell Zepp and KD all three of them they played extremely extremely well today you just ran through their stats KD Johnson had 10 points and here's the numbers when you break it down from these three guards seven assists to one turnover for KD Johnson four assists to one turnover for Zepp Jasper and six assists to one turnover for Wendell Green that is elite level guard play elite that's elite level because those three guys they combined for what they had let's see 10 19 25 points between the three of them and then they had three turnovers combined I mean that's unbelievable that's fantastic great distribution that's 
Great distribution. That is what they are there to do. They didn't shoot great, but they didn't have to. They made their shots when they counted. They knocked down some free throws. The free throw shooting from the guards could improve, but that's just nitpicking at this point. And then, like you said, Jabari and Walker, they were the scoring threats. Jabari... I don't know. I thought they shot really well. They were 8 for 17, which is... 47 yeah, yeah. Well, percent I, I was looking at kd that's going, excellent i was going looking at kd going three for eight which he is was a, almost 50 percent I mean, yeah so i mean that's that's a good i will take three for eight as long as they're not bad shots 100 percent, exactly and the, i still just don't like that he had six threes yeah that's <laughs> i don't think that has to happen no i think i would like to see him attacking the bucket a little bit more than that but i agree once but again that's nitpicking i thought the guards played excellent today and they i thought did. they made all the right decisions and look what happened auburn was comfortable for 30 minutes of this basketball game because the guards did what they had to do whether it was on defense and the half court offense or in transition the guards made the right play 90 percent of the time and then look at the bench the bench had 21 points when you combine when you throw in wendell green i know he's kind of a a non-starting starter is what I like to call him. But if you throw his points in there, the bench had 21 points. I mean, that's big time. That's how, I mean, Auburn won by 19. The bench was the reason. And that's, we have not seen that. We've seen games this year with Auburn basketball where the bench outside of Wendell didn't score a single point. And Auburn struggled to score in those games. And so when you have guys like Jalen Williams and Devin Cambridge and Dylan Cardwell come in and score the basketball and put and get, you know, legitimate impactful minutes that's big time, and Auburn did a lot of things right today. Is it Was it perfect? No, absolutely not. Again, Auburn still has to do a lot to go out and win the next five games, but tonight or today was a great start, okay? If Auburn came out and did what Kentucky did last night and but still win or whatever, we'd still be worried. I'm glad that we can sit here today after the first round and say we're not – extremely worried about Auburn because they showed a lot of promise today I don't know I'm still extremely worried I'm still taking it game by game well it's still game by game just because Auburn it's can... the NCAA tournament we've Absolutely. seen a whole lot of carnage through the but, first day and a half but we could be feeling a whole lot worse yes we could it could be a whole lot worse than what this is Auburn could have lost Auburn could have played poorly like Kentucky did yesterday the result could have been different right they could have played like UCLA against Akron yesterday and just found a way to win at the end right so you're right it could be worse but the key in the NCAA tournament and I'm going with this mantra on a day-to-day basis don't get too high don't get too low this game no longer matters exactly this game literally has no bearing anymore whatsoever they've advanced what happened now means nothing to me especially considering it was a 15 seed I think I got to see Auburn for me to be more confident and then it's only going to get tougher right like for me to get more confident in this team I got to see them do this against a USC or Miami but even if they do that Auburn could be playing Wisconsin in the Sweet 16 or and I know you're shaking your head because you think Colgate's going to win and I <laughs> predicted Colgate would upset but I'll tell you all the upsets that we picked haven't happened and all the ones that people didn't think were going to happen happen so True. I'm basically just playing opposite day with my bracket realistically right now. Auburn will play Wisconsin okay if in uh, you're if 100% it went right chalk, Auburn will play Wisconsin and they, or they to... might get an embattled LSU team that's really angry and is looking to do something here and possibly and I think they're good enough to make the elite eight I really do I think LSU is good enough from an athleticism standpoint and they play good enough defense to where they could grind enough teams out here right that top half of this area and the bottom half of the bracket so the teams that Auburn could find in the sweet 16 
it's only going to get tougher after the USC game. And then, so your confidence level really just nets out at zero, even if Auburn plays excellent against USC. And I know Auburn can take any of the teams in their bracket when they play well. But once again, every game only matters for its game and its game alone. The next game, Auburn's got to do the exact same things, if not better, to be able to keep advancing in this tournament. And so I think the key here for this team and for the fan base, really, don't get too high, don't get too low. Every game's different. And if Auburn just finds a way to squeeze past USC in the second round, Auburn could just as likely absolutely annihilate Wisconsin or LSU or anybody else in the Sweet 16 because, once again, it's four or five days apart. The way that the NCAA is structured, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And Auburn folks should be taking it just as that. Every game's different. Take it one step at a time. And I love something that Bruce Pearl said. They put this out on social media on the Auburn basketball account, kind of talking about what he was saying about the game and whatnot and, and how he's approaching it with his team and some of what he said to everybody. Um, they had some film on this inside March Madness, I think, posted this on social media. And his insight was, look, you got to win two games here. you got to win two games there. And then you got to win two games somewhere else. And you just break it down like that. But if you look at it like you got to win six games all at once, that's not how the NCAA tournament is. It is a marathon, not a sprint. And they just completed one sixth of it today. You got five six left, and uh, one one of them's you know on Sunday, and it's it's going to be against a team that can beat you. So make sure that you handle your business. Every game matters for that day. You're 100 percent right. We can sit here and we can talk about today's game, and we can be happy about today's game. But at 4 o'clock when we go off the air, it's not about Auburn and Jacksonville State anymore. It's about Auburn and whoever wins this USC-Miami game. For a two-seed that has national championship aspirations, there's really only one game that matters beyond its day, other than maybe the Final Four, and it's the national championship game for good or bad reasons. And that's just the reality of it. Auburn's expectations are to make at least the Elite Eight, and I think there may even be some disappointment if Auburn doesn't make the Final Four with how good this team was at one point this year. It may The expectations going into the year were not a Final Four, but at one point it was national championship possibly right and if Auburn goes anywhere short of the final four I could see people being disappointed and I think there probably is room for some disappointment there because this team was definitely that good what happened to sour it and so I know I don't want to overblow it I don't want to look too far ahead Auburn's got another game coming up on Sunday don't know when it's going to be don't know who it's going to be against but that game only matters for that day not beyond it and the, the, the only time where it matters beyond that one day where it was played is that national championship game. You're absolutely right. Let's take a break here on the line. We'll come back and we'll keep discussing Auburn's 80-61 to win over Jacksonville State. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Friday edition of the show. I just heard terrible news. Terrible news. <laughs> about the ea that's terrible news why is that terrible news i would much rather 2k sports be the video game developer for a college basketball video game but you guys alerted me i had not heard that news yet i saw it last night i think was that what it was trevor yeah last night i had not seen that ea sports announced the time to say that and it would do well look there's a lot of people that enjoyed playing the college basketball video games me included and the last one that was ever made was ea sports NCAA Basketball 10. It was the 2009-2010 basketball season. I do have that one. And the 2K Sports is the last have, one. Does that have Blake Griffin on the cover? It does. Now, I'll tell you, the development of that game was not very good. There's a lot of actually, believe it or not, inaccuracies in there. Believe it or not, it'll tell you the previous year's record, and it's wrong. 
it's wow. not it's not the actual previous year's record in the game which that's a little thing but it didn't have every single division one basketball team into it i thought recruiting was a little busted i know people aren't here to listen to me talk about recruiting but there's no reason that in my year two at georgia southern that i should be able to convince top 50 recruits to come to statesboro georgia that is not that is not realistic whatsoever this guy is complaining about getting good recruits and being successful in a video game folks 100 because it shouldn't happen i should have <laughs> to struggle at georgia state i want or georgia southern excuse me i want to be challenged but college hoops 2k8 was the last one made by 2k and that game was well ahead of its time in a lot of different areas it's just it was still at the very like where the faces looked like they were triangles everything was kind of geometric still like it wasn't very smooth the gameplay was decent but the graphics were horrendous for it being on xbox 360 but everything like in the menus and like the recruiting and all of the like program development and the program management aspects of the game were well ahead of its time I that's mean, stuff the one, that we're not even seeing today ea sports do i thought it was incredible that's the one you're playing right now right? correct i'm the head coach of the princeton tigers and i only have nine players on my basketball team and i don't know how once again i don't know how these video game developers get this stuff wrong it's like it didn't include walk-ons oh, we have nine players on the basketball team we couldn't even hold midnight madness scrimmage at princeton because we didn't have enough players it told me that i had to cancel the event i was like what is this you couldn't play five on five get a ba- no. get a manager or something we to can't throw play out five there. on four or Just- four on four <laughs> but i'm really enjoying that that's good news in the aspect that they're trying to get back into that realm and ea sports development of video games have come a long way i believe now i have the unpopular opinion that i actually like what they've done in madden many people disagree with me on that but ea sports has always been good at the football side of things i did not enjoy any of what ea sports did on the basketball side of things and simply basketball 10 was fine just had a lot of things wrong with it and then nba live their latest basketball venture was horrendous compared yeah, that to was 2K. bad the last ea game i played was college football i mean the you know ncaa whatever the last one was 14 is that right so that's the last one i played i don't play madden i'm not a madden fan i'm a 2k i'm an nba 2k fan that's the video game because you can't read defenses I that's can. why you can't just, play de- that's why just, you can't play on madden i think Madden's boring. you know how to play quarterback i just think Madden's boring i really do i think madden is boring like how? i like 2k i i this is crazy this blows my mind but i actually like fifa i don't like oh, watching FIFA's soccer a great game fifa's awesome i love fifa man FIFA's, FIFA's a great a lot game. of fun it's addictive it's like playing ping pong back yeah. and forth man I exactly mean, it's, but it's madden, very end to end i can't play madden i don't like it i think it's boring but yeah the news ea is trying to come out with a brand new college basketball game so we'll see when that comes out they're also working on the college football game as well you know what else they need college baseball sign me up they did that with mvp baseball 06 killed it after 07 i think would love to have that back no doubt you're listening to on the live we'll be back in just a few minutes back here on on the line you're on espn 106.7 in fox sports central alabama jacob goins and noah gardner with you on the friday edition of the show 30 minutes into hour number one. If you've missed any of it or missed any of our other shows, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode will be uploaded immediately following the show at 4 o'clock. We've been breaking down Auburn's 80-61 to victory over Jacksonville State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Auburn looked pretty good. They got it done from start to finish. It was a little shaky in the first 10 minutes or so. 
but they ended up pulling away and having a pretty comfortable lead throughout the entire second half. They will advance to the second round on Sunday. We do not know who they will be playing or what time they'll be playing, but the USC-Miami game is currently on TV right now. It's tied up at four just a few minutes into the game. Auburn will get the winner of that, and there's no doubt about it, Noah, that Auburn, if you're an Auburn fan, Auburn player, Auburn coach, you would rather see Miami in the second round than USC. They're not a strong defensive team. They're not... They don't have a strong front court presence either. They do a lot of five out. That'll tell you exactly what is on their roster. A ton of guards. That's what the strength of their team is. Is and even their front court players, they're more outside perimeter oriented. Not great at defending their own rim and whatnot. And they're a smaller team. I think Auburn's front court would be able to eat against that. Would be able to eat some glass and would be able to score down low fairly easy easily against Miami now in the event that they did get hot and they started raining threes and maybe Auburn doesn't defend the perimeter well but that's not really a concern for me teams that shoot the three don't teams that are great offensively don't really scare me a whole lot because it, what what scares me was somebody puts to get, has a great front court presence can negate what Auburn does well and Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler or they have a really strong backcourt that that can defend really well or, or if they're just wholeheartedly just a great defensive team through and through, those types of teams scare me a little bit more for Auburn than teams like Miami because we saw and we've seen time and time again this year Auburn against a good offensive team or a great offensive team from an efficiency standpoint, it, no matter how well they shoot the basketball, Auburn will body you up. Auburn's a physical defensive team on the perimeter. It's hard to shoot over that and to hit your hit your normal percentage of shots. Look at South Dakota State yesterday. They were shooting 44% all season long from three. We're like 56% from two. They actually went up against like a good basketball team, a team that can play some defense and it's physical and well-coached. What happened? They shot well below those season averages. And we saw that several times yesterday. Iowa got pushed around a little bit against Richmond. Obviously, they lost. There were several examples of that yesterday. St. Peter's even against Kentucky. St. Peter's was statistically a really bad offensive team, a good defensive team. Kentucky, a good offensive team. We saw the type of pressure that they – we saw the type of situations that Kentucky was walking into on offense. I mean, there was a video yesterday that I believe Mike Schmitz put out, and he's an NBA draft analyst. Ty Ty Washington comes off of a pick and roll, drives into the paint, right? There are four St. Peter's defenders in the paint because Kentucky's clogged the paint with their – with their big men right and of course the shot didn't go down and it's like there were just the spacing wasn't great for Kentucky yesterday we saw St. Peter's give an offensive team like Kentucky such trouble that's the worry for me is that Auburn's going to run into a team defense and so you would much rather have a Miami than a USC because USC's front court they're holding they're holding opponents to like 42 percent inside the arc which is horrendous for their opponents and they can defend the three fairly well too the difference there and you're asking yourself which backcourt maybe could find the the points to score, which backcourt could find the ability to to outshoot the other. USC shoots about 35% from three, which is only a hope for Auburn in some games, right? That that could end up being the difference. That's why I don't want USC. Well, and when you ask yourself which side of the ball do you trust Auburn's basketball team more, you trust their defense because the defense has showed up and showed out every single game, and the defense has traveled everywhere they've gone just watch them today jacksonville state's a great three-point shooting team and they started out that way but auburn shut that down pretty quickly and auburn's defense can shut down just about anybody in the country it's the offense that you worry about that can't has that has tendencies to not show up at times but today 
They did. They showed up and they played well. So that's why if you're Auburn, you would rather see Miami over USC because, yes, Miami's probably the better offensive team, but USC's the better defensive team. And when Auburn plays a, a legit defense like a Tennessee or something like that, they've shown where they can get shut down, and that's not what you want if you're Auburn. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. We're toll-free at 888-382-7502. Ed, we're on the line. Welcome in. Hey guys, uh, hey! I was just going to tell you, War Eagle and uh, War Eagle. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it was a to me. It was, it was a good game, and, and a couple of things, you know, uh, stood out. Uh, Walker Kessler seemed like he's back in good shape, you know. And, and Jabari, of course, is just coming on more and more. I think he's, you know, finally getting, you know. <laughs> maybe taking the training wheels off, if, if you want to call it that, that Bruce Pearl might have, that's not a right word, but he might have had holding the noose in on him a little in the first part of the year, but he really just came on it. And uh, Alan Flanagan, you know, we've talked about him several times. I thought he had a really good game, and I wanted to kind of compliment him. And uh, the, uh, Wendell, you know, had a great game, and uh, – and KD, I'm just, you know, it's a good game. And I think whoever we play, you know, I think we'll, I think we'll, I think we'll show up and do okay, you know. And it's just, War Eagle guys, thanks for taking my call. Well, appreciate the call, Ed. War Eagle to you as well. And you hit on it. I, I agree with just about everything you said. Yeah, it did look like Jabari Smith. And, you know, you said, you mentioned taking the quote-unquote training wheels off. I think he's definitely going to get more command of the offense. You hear the broadcaster say it every time, get Jabari the ball because he can shoot so well he can create his own shot. I want to see just, it happen organically, though. I agree. I agree. I want to see the ball find him because it's the right decision, not because you're having to force it there. And because we've seen Auburn isolate him on one side of the floor and everybody stand on the other side and let him go one-on-one. -on -one. That's fine. But maybe some back cuts and different things like that. Use him in the flex more, something like that. I think we're going to see a lot more of that as the tournament goes on because Jabari Smith is your best scorer. And then Alan Flanagan. I think he played a good game too. I, he didn't play great, but he's not going to play great games. Let's just be – I'm not knocking on him. It's just how the offense works. It's how he fits into this team. He played fine. He played a good game. He made the right decisions. He didn't take bad shots. He took the ball to the hole, got to the free throw line, whether it was in the half court or in transition, and he locked down on defense. And I think if you're Alan Flanagan, if you're Auburn asking of Alan Flanagan, that's all you can ask for. I think he played a fantastic game. Uh, hopefully Walker Kessler's okay. I know he kind of took a landing on his shoulder, busted up his elbow on Jalen Williams' teeth. So Auburn was kind of beating themselves up there for a second. What about Jalen Williams, man? I hope that guy's okay. Well, I'm getting there. That's what I was going to say. On Jalen Williams' teeth, he chipped his two front teeth. So hopefully everybody's okay. But – um, no, I, I agree. Auburn looked good. They've got a legit chance to, to continue to play well. If, and as long as they do play well, they're going to have great success, I feel. There's still things to improve, and Auburn has to continue to play like they did today against better opponents because let's just be honest, that's how the tournament works. Every time you go to the next round, you're playing a better team every time. Another reason why I wouldn't want USC is how well they rebound. We were talking about that a moment ago. Another reason why I wouldn't want USC is how well they rebound the basketball. They collect like 30% of their offensive rebound opportunities. Auburn's not a great defensive rebounding team, believe it or not. Statistically, they do 
allow teams to get some offensive boards against them now that is the nature of the SEC Auburn as a defensive rebounding team may be better than a lot of teams in this tournament right but they faced a lot of teams in the SEC that are extremely athletic or extremely bouncy teams like Arkansas teams like LSU Alabama all those teams can go and get offensive boards Texas A&M Mississippi State's a good rebounding team there's a lot of good rebounding teams in the SEC this year and so that could pale in comparison when you play Miami or USC in the next round it's kind of hard to gauge where all these teams are coming out of their respective conferences especially if they haven't seen each other another reason why I think I would want Miami do you see the threads they are wearing today man Dude, their unis are awesome man. these are I like was, some Miami Vice uniforms I was gonna bro. say it when we were coming on the air they've got the bright orange uniforms with the green numbers and lettering oh sheesh oh dude <laughs> it's so pretty it's awesome I love it and I want to see that and then that but the problem is one, I don't think they'd wear those in the next matchup. I hope Auburn busts out the uh, the orange uniforms at some point. No, no. I love them. I want Auburn to wear white or blue in the next game and give me those Miami threads. <laughs> hey, throw everybody for a loop and pull an NBA um, pull an NBA move and have both teams wear orange. Did you see that the other night in the NBA? Two teams walked out wearing white uniforms. It was the Grizzlies and the Jazz or something like that. Two NBA teams walked out for tip-off and everybody's wearing a white jersey. So they had to delay the game because everybody was wearing a white jersey. So I'd like that. That'd be okay. Pull out. Head to the team shop, everybody. Literally. <laughs> so I don't know who switched, but yeah, that was it was funny. It was the Grizzlies and somebody else. But yeah, all 10 guys walked on the floor. They're all wearing white jerseys. They're like, what in the heck? But no, Miami's got some sweet uniforms. That game's on right now. Miami and USC. The Canes currently up 10 to 4 with just under 12 to play in the first half. Low scoring so far. There's only been one other game in the books so far today. It was supposed to be the game of the day, but man, the scoring in this one was abysmal. Ohio State and Loyola, Chicago in the 7-10 matchup. The Buckeyes pull it out 54-41. to I mean, these teams were in the teens with like a few minutes to go in the first half. Like it was, it was abysmal on offense. But the Buckeyes... The Loyola Chicago was a popular upset pick in this matchup, but the I Buckeyes pulled through. I, I picked it in one of my brackets. I think I split this game, um, but... Yeah, Ohio State moving on in what was a, a very poor offensive performance on both sides. Ohio State is capable of beating Villanova if that result actually holds right now, which has finally gotten out to a 10-point lead over Delaware. They were struggling here in the first half with Delaware. Not going to say anything because Auburn struggled for about the same amount of time against a 15 seed as well. But and Kentucky lost yesterday to a 15 seed. But Ohio State, on their best day, is capable of beating Villanova. On their worst day, they're capable of losing by 30 so yeah, the scoreboard, Ohio State beats Loyola Chicago in a 7-10 game, 54-41. Auburn, 2-15 over Jacksonville State, 80-61. And then what's happening live right now, 3-38 left in the second half on TNT. 3C Texas Tech is up 89-56 on the fighting Christian Clementes. That is the 14-seed <laughs> Montana State Bobcats. Another game that's eight minutes from going final. 7.42 left in the second half on TBS. Purdue has pulled away from Yale, who hung in the first half there, 68-44. to And then two seconds from halftime on CBS, Villanova in the 2.15 matchup, up by 10 over Delaware, 35-25. to And, of course, you just said the Miami-USC score, 10-6. to Canes on top of the Trojans, 11-21 left here in the first half. Well, let's break down some of the games we have coming up that you're looking forward to today, but then... I'm not really in, looking forward to a lot of other games today. Really? I think there's some great matchups, but once we get into hour number two, we can go back and look at the just the craziness of yesterday and all of the upsets. I told you it was going to be crazy, man. I told you 
that it was going to be just wild in the first round. I know it normally have some upsets, but I'm looking I, forward to Duke losing to Cal State Fullerton this evening. That ain't that ain't gonna happen. You can go ahead and get that one out of the way. That's not gonna happen. We all said that about Kentucky yesterday. No. Well, I said that. Well, I said Kentucky would survive the longest out of any SEC team in the NCAA tournament. Well, I had Kentucky lose a, to Purdue anyway, so I was not mad. I was jumping up and down. I was ecstatic seeing Kentucky lose and. Oh, man, we get to have that conversation of John Calipari. Ooh. There's Kentucky this fans. This is nothing are new. I have livid. been saying this for years. I have too. And I said this earlier this season, and people got mad at me he before the year even started. I said, this guy, with all the players that he's got, and look at how he's won or lack thereof, completely overrated. And I believe that. Is it worth firing him over? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, I don't well, think losing to 15 seed St. Peter's is grounds for firing with everything he's done at Kentucky. Because I do ask you, who will Kentucky hire that is a better coach than John Calipari? Better recruiter, better program sustainer. I know he's had some rocky seasons the last two years. Obviously, this year was a good year, but he lost in the first round of St. Peter's, so a bad ending, and that's all that Kentucky fans will remember. That's why they're calling for his firing. And then last year wasn't great, below 500. It was the worst season in program history. But every Blue Blood was like that, and it was an odd year with with COVID and everything. I, I get that. I know uh, you don't have to convince me. I championed this for a while, that he under underperforms compared to the talent that he brings in without a doubt i don't think he's one of the best x's and o's coaches or maybe even one of the best developers in the league but that's not how he runs his program but i also wondered who kentucky's going to bring in that is in that same tier and is in that same caliber of coach because i do still think he's a good basketball coach well let's jump into it because i've said it for years too i know i haven't been on this show that long but for years watching college basketball i've seen it and no coach in america performs less with more than John Calipari because he has one goal. It's obvious what his goal is. He's come out and said it at times. He has one goal, and he does it extremely well. Okay, we'll give him credit. He does it extremely well. He gets guys to the league. He puts guys in the NBA, and he gets them ready to go to be superstars in the league. And that's why Kentucky has the most players in the NBA by a lot. And... That's what he does, and he brings in freshmen every single season. He has a starting five of freshmen every single year, but that's why they go and they get drafted high in the NBA, and they go on and be superstars because that's what his focus is. He has one national championship, Kentucky does, under John Calipari. Look at the amount of talent he has coached in his lifetime at Kentucky. He's got one national championship. I understand one national championship is still fantastic. You've won a national championship. That's awesome. Auburn's never done it. I get that. But he's only done it once, and he's had more talent than arguably anybody ever has over his span of coaching. But yet, here you go. Last season was the worst season in program history at Kentucky. And then this season, you come into as a two-seed, and you get upset by a 15-seed St. Peter's, probably the second-worst loss in NCAA tournament history behind Villanova losing to UMBC as a one-seed. That no, was Virginia. Say, or Virginia, that's what I meant, my bad. Virginia losing as a one seed I think Kentucky's loss last night was the second worst loss in NCAA tournament history I agree I don't know if Kentucky fires him I don't think they will but if you do who do you go after who's going to be able to like you said recruit at the high level and have Kentucky as a, a a dominant force throughout the years year in year out but at some point 
I mean, what's Kentucky going to do? Just let him retire and be average when it comes to performance of the talent on the floor? I just don't understand where you go or what you do with him because, yeah, he can recruit. Yeah, he gets top-tier talent, but then they go out and lose to St. Peter's in the first round of the tournament. So what are you supposed to do if you're Kentucky? I, I, I don't know where you go. I don't think they're going to fire him because they – I think it's a poor. I think it's a hasty decision. I don't know if I'll say it's a poor decision because maybe you could find a coach that wouldn't do this. But Ed called in and asked us how long we think Cal has. Okay, and, and I think at Kentucky or just in general, I think at Kentucky. And I, I mean, don't think he's going to coach anywhere else. That to I guess answer my own question. I don't think he's going to leave. But here's the thing, and I don't think they're going to fire him. It's really difficult to, to pull the trigger on something like that. I mean, th- this is very much so. I think this would be more rash than LSU firing Les Miles so many years ago and um and Georgia firing Mark Rick now it paid off for Georgia but I think we would argue that I mean they did get a national championship with Ed Orgeron but they're still maybe in a worse place now than where they were when they fired Les Miles there's still much more to be rebuilt I mean it's interesting discussion but before we go to commercial break this is what Cal has done at Kentucky um Went to an Elite Eight, a Final Four, then won the championship in his first three seasons. I mean, that was the steady progression. Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship. Since then, went to the NIT, lost in the first round, was the National Championship runner-up in 2013-14, the year that they went on uh, as an eight seed all the way. After that, went to a Final Four. Of course, that was the undefeated team that lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four, but still an incredible season. Round of 32 loss in uh, 2015. Made it to an Elite Eight, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. He wins at a high level. Now, I know I entered this segment saying that I think he underperforms with his talent. I think he should probably have another championship right now. And I definitely think he should, you know, and, and he's dominated the SEC, which isn't, you know, the, the bar to clear for Kentucky. It's national championships. So I definitely think he should have another national championship. Um, but I, I, I think it would be a little rash to fire him. I really do. Right here before we go to break, Henry Patton, he's a journalism student at Auburn. He tweeted out about all the talent that John Calipari is coaching. This tweet popped off, by the way. It's got 4,100 likes oh, on I know. it. Which is, uh, just to name some of the names that Cal has coached in his career, Devin Booker, Cat, D. Rose, Anthony Davis, De'Aaron Fox, P.J. Washington, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, Tyler Hero, Julius Randle, Malik Monk, Jamal Murray, the Harrison Twins. And 30 different other ones. He's got one national championship. There should be more. Let's there take a quick break. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Just a few more minutes before we get out of here for hour number one. But, Dan, we've got you on the line. Appreciate you holding. Welcome in, man. Hey, guys. Where are you going? Where are you going to um, you? I was pretty happy today. It looks like we came out and played pretty well. Um, as far as uh, Kentucky, I thought it was just bad coaching at the end of the game because they got up by six, and then they went into, you know, basically just trying to run the clock out. And on three consecutive possessions, they literally either didn't get a shot off or they shot a horrible shot because they didn't start running a play until there was like five or six seconds left. And and I and I understand you know you're trying to you're you're playing the odds hey you know the less time they have but if if they start a little bit sooner then they could have had a chance to make a shot or two and they and they would have won right no I you know, I agree I that yeah was just bad coaching yeah and it may have been Dan we have to get out of here for hour number one we do appreciate Thanks. your call man and look I agree with Dan I think he 
Uh, Kentucky had some bad coaching there at the end. They had a chance to win this thing, and they didn't. They lost to a 15-seed St. Peter's. And, yeah, I think you can blame John Calipari for some coaching decisions during that game. But that's it for hour number one. We'll come back for hour number two. You're listening to On the Line. on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 you're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner here for hour number two on the Friday edition of the show. If you want to call in, give us your opinion on anything going on in the sporting world, give us a call. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you want to call in and give Noah a new NFL team to be a fan of, he's taking applications because... His fandom of the Cleveland Browns has dissipated in the last five minutes or so. I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed. I, I, I would say you're a little bit more than a little disappointed. You've been sulking in your chair, chair over there during the break, man. You, are you all right? Are you okay? Are you okay? I didn't want the Browns to go after Deshaun Watson. But, I didn't want it. But they did. They did it. They did it. And, and it is official. Adam, well, not official yet. Well, it's coming. But Adam Schefter has reported that Deshaun Watson has waived his no-trade clause and says he wants to be dealt to the Cleveland Browns and more reports have come out about what the Browns are going to be dealing to the Texans and that would be three first round picks and additional two other picks in addition to that it's a lot I don't know if he's worth it I don't know even even before all this stuff that came out I don't know if I would have dealt three first round picks to Deshaun Watson what has he done now granted I know he plays in a a dysfunctional franchise one of the most dysfunctional franchises in all football I understand that I know that before all this came out, just talking about football, he hasn't had the most help in Houston. Um, but likewise, I, I still don't know if he's worth I, – I could totally still, still see Cleveland with their roster. And granted, it, it is a good roster. I t- I've defended that a little bit this week. It's a good roster. But I could totally see Deshaun Watson with this roster still go 10-7. and seven, And they're giving him like a $12 million a year raise reportedly in addition to the fact that you've traded away any hope in the first round of getting some really solid players in through the draft that way, unless you deal some other players away to get some first-round picks in, in return. But I don't know if anybody else is worth a first-round pick on the on this team other than Miles Garrett, right, um, or maybe Denzel Ward. But once again, I, I don't want to see those guys traded because they're the heart and soul of the defense. I just, you know, it's, it's I don't yeah. like it. Well, you I, know why I don't like it. I know. Well, I talked about it when we had this conversation the other day when the rumors were starting to come up about – or not even rumors it was Deshaun Watson trying to figure out where he wanted to go next for his career he's meeting with four or five different teams but now that it is all but why couldn't it have been Atlanta (laughs) exactly and why and you you called me out for saying that I didn't like Deshaun Watson not obviously his off-field stuff is a different conversation but even his on-field I'm like yes he's good but he's not great I don't think. I don't think he's a franchise-changing quarterback. I think he's going to be the same quarterback 
in Cleveland that he was at Houston. I think Cleveland's going to be the same thing they were with Baker Mayfield as they're going to be with Deshaun Watson. Maybe get, he might get them an extra win or two, maybe. And that may be good enough to get them to the playoffs. But I don't see, when I hear the news of Deshaun Watson going to the Cleveland Browns, I'm not like, uh-oh, here come the Browns. You know what I mean? So... I don't know. It, it could work out. But I don't think it will. And then you've got all his off-field issues, too. You may go pay this guy a couple hundred million dollars, and he may not even play half the season. You have no idea what's coming because, as we talked about the other day, the NFL still has their disciplinary disp, disciplinary actions. Wow, I struggled with that one. To get onto him and put on him, his legal side is over, but the NFL can still do their part against Deshaun Watson. So there's. I think it's a very touchy contract to sign it's a very touchy player to sign and obviously the Browns wanted him because like you said they are paying him 12 million dollars a year more on top of his contract that he that they're bringing in from Houston unbelievable a Patriots fan just texted me good friend of mine love the guy just texted me said I wouldn't mind having him yikes I, was I, don't like, know about uh, that. I might take Mac Jones I would take Mac Jones over Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind I would take Mac Jones over Deshaun Watson. 100%. I don't know. I, I could see this second year being a rough year for Mac Jones, but that's just me. It very well could be. Me. But there's, and, some here's real, a, there's some real check down Charlie vibes there from Mac Jones. Okay? Here's the thing about <laughs> Mac Jones. He's in the perfect organization. If he goes anywhere else, he may not be any good. He's in the perfect spot for him, I think. He's the same thing that Brady was coming out. I think they're both step in the pocket, throw, deliver a good ball. They're not going to be fantastic. So but one is Tom Brady and one is Mac Jones. Yes, obviously there's a huge difference, but they're the touchdown same. Touchdown Tommy has a different ring to it than touchdown Mac. <laughs> <laughs> but he's with Bill Belichick in Cle or not in Cle but in New England. I think that's where Mac Jones needs to be. There's probably going to be a little bit of a drop off, but I still think he's a good player. Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I think he's a good system fit. Right yes, now. exactly. I think he's a system exactly. QB at this point. He's he would got to do some real growing. I, his arm strength is what scares me the most. He would go to die in Cleveland because that's where you go. You go to Cleveland to no, die. No, that was the past. That is not the case now. We win too many games now for that to be true. So you're saying Deshaun Watson's going to come in and win more ball games? He's going to be think, a better quarterback look, I, than he no, was in Houston. I think he can win 11 games at Cleveland. Now I'm not, but is that where you want to? Is that is that worth what you're giving up right now? Because I think Baker can win you 11 games. He did it two years ago when he was healthy and half of his body was still operational but this past year he had his shoulder his groin and his ankle hurt dude was playing with his whole left half of his body unable to move it and turn and throw that's a big deal for a quarterback welcome to cleveland to sean watson that's what you have to look forward to no he's got a good o-line when it's healthy once when it's you, healthy, dude, you yeah. are completely you are completely and you have all week completely ignored the massive amount of injuries that have that the Cleveland Browns organization has sustained from top to bottom all across the board so let me ask you this does that not speak to possibly the training staff and the coaching staff look I don't I think understand players guys, get hurt but the whole team getting hurt like that look it, things that happen. speak to something things different happen. it's not like they're all just pulling hamstrings or anything like that he's throwing to Amari Cooper Trevor <laughs> David and Joku and Harrison Bryant <laughs> Donovan Peoples Jones. Man. He's got receivers. Rashard Higgins. Okay. He's got some okay players. And got they, some okay and free players. Agent, and free agency. Look, he, he's got some good targets. I do believe that Harrison Bryant and David Njoku are good tight ends. And Amari Cooper is a great wide receiver. I do think they need to get a compliment, a compliment to him. Julio Jones is out there. Let's go get Julio. 
Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go get Julio. Let's if the Browns, it in Cleveland. If the Browns sign Julio, that'd be that'd be legit. Let's go get Julio. That'd okay? be legit. But, but still, yeah, I, I know. And the defense. I mean, you go up and down, man. Like I don't remember the last time that the Browns played with like a fully healthy secondary. Like whether I don't I don't know if I saw Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom play together until like the last two weeks of the season. And those two guys alone are great cornerbacks, right? I mean, you just the offensive line had like two dudes at every point of the year hurt, and it was like a rotating group. It's like ah, this week it's your turn, Teller, right? <laughs> I mean, every week it was somebody new. Jarvis played injured every single game that he was out there, right? He talked about that this off season. Odell, you know, just when he's starting to get going early in the season, blows out his knee. You know what I mean? Uh, or that was last year, excuse me. I mean, and you even see him, you know, it just didn't quite click coming back, and he did get hurt a little bit when he came out. I just think, you know, Baker's had a lot go against him, and he didn't deserve for this to happen to him. He didn't deserve it. He's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not the franchise. I'm not asking for them to treat him like a franchise quarterback, but he got hurt. He had a great year the year before, led Cleveland to 11 wins. He gets hurt this year. All of his weapons get hurt. He still played through the injury, right, because you needed him out there. He still had you in the playoff hunt, despite, once again, that half of his body was not operational. I just don't think that this is respectful whatsoever to what that guy gave to the Cleveland Browns organization and how he changed the complete perception of the Cleveland Browns organization. And he also changed not only the perception on the outside, but I think he changed the perception on the inside. He made it a place where people wanted to come and play. Jarvis Landry wanted to come and play in Cleveland. All of these guys that they've brought in through free agency recently and through what they've done in the draft, they want to play in Cleveland. They like their head coach. They like their quarterback. They finally believe. It's no longer what you've talked about with the Browns. It's not like that anymore. And I know you're from that part of the country, so it's easy for you to kind of drive the knife in a little bit, okay? But it's not like that anymore. And you know it's not like that anymore because you are part of that. You are from that part of the country. You should just stick to making fun of the Lions, okay? <laughs> stick to your own division. I can do that. Believe me, stick I to can making do fun that. of the Lions because the Browns have found a way to change their perception, and it doesn't happen without Baker Mayfield. You want to know how I know that? Because Tyrod Taylor couldn't do it, and all of the other quarterbacks on that list that they had twenty before that couldn't do it either. But Baker Mayfield had the had the moxie, had the the personality, had the grit, had the determination, had the work ethic. Okay, had the flair. He had it. He had the mentality to go and change the culture, and you just threw all that away after one year where, yes, it was subpar, but really, if you look at it statistically, aside from the interceptions that went up substantially this year, once again, because half of his body wasn't operational, okay, and everybody else was hurt. If you get rid of the intercept, like if you take the interceptions out of it, he really didn't see that much of a of a – uh, of a statistical drop-off from where he was at the year before. It's just the touchdown-to-interception ratio that took a massive hit this year. Uh, and it, it doesn't help that, once again, you had countless injury after countless injury. You've been having to deal with COVID protocols and that you yourself w- were hurt as well. I mean, I just think this is a really poor decision. Also, what ramifications does the organization feel from Deshaun Watson coming in? Regardless of what all of the information is about that situation, regardless of where he's at, okay, he still could be suspended from the NFL. Okay, how do people in the organization feel about this? I would just really like to know because this is a, you know, maybe, maybe he is innocent. You know what I mean? Uh, we, I just don't think we know enough about this, right? But what we do know is there's civil cases against him right now, and we st- and this story is not the, – the book is not closed. And I, that's my biggest worry. And, of course, we're talking about if you're just now tuning in to hour number two of On the Line, we're talking about the news coming out of the NFL that the Browns – are trying to finalize a deal to get Deshaun Watson traded to the Cleveland Browns from Houston. And 
Noah, as a Cleveland Browns fan, is very upset about the decision. And that's my biggest worry if you're a Browns fan or a player or someone within the organization of the Cleveland Browns is what's going to happen when the NFL comes down and and disciplines Deshaun Watson because everybody knows his legal issues. Everybody knows what he's been dealing with for the past year or however long it's been, right? But now that the legal part is over, the NFL still has their part. They can still say, hey, you're being suspended for X amount of games because of whatever, right? And so Cleveland is paying Deshaun Watson more money than what he was making before to come and play in Cleveland, and he may not even play all of his games. And so let me ask you this, since you are the Cleveland Browns fan here, and then once you answer this, we'll get into the other NFL news that makes me depressed about my fan and my fandom and my team. Two different ball games. Oh, Two uh-huh. different ball games. You I know. have you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Let's, I know. Let's stop this. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. Now that Baker or once it becomes official, Deshaun Watson is going to be your quarterback in Cleveland. How many more wins a year on average do you think Deshaun Watson will bring to the Cleveland Browns over Baker Mayfield? If you had to, if you had to take a stab at it, like you, like your personal opinion, how many more wins does does Deshaun Watson get? I think, it, I think get a lot you? of it depends on your roster, okay? Because he didn't win a whole lot in Houston. Let's exactly. be real, he didn't. Um, and I think you know he he did a lot with less back then too. He helped them be relevant. To he did a have D Hop though, for only a little bit. He did lose him uh, yeah. to a trade, you know. But I, I'm just saying that. Yeah, for David for David Jones or whatever his name is, and David Johnson. David Johnson, oh. yeah, from Arizona. That was a horrible trade. Holy you smokes. Know, and, and he did have him for a little bit, and then all this stuff came down. But I just, you know, I think that if with this roster that they have, maybe it's plus one, plus two. I don't think it's going to be that different. You have to look at the division that we're into and, and the the schedule that the Browns are having to play with their, with their in-division opponents. Now, granted, it is Mitchell Trubisky over at quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, but you still got Lamar Jackson. you still got Joe Burrow. Those two, All of those three franchises, though, maybe have better teams around their quarterbacks than what Deshaun Watson will have. Uh, they're all great. They're all good football teams. They're all good football organizations. So I don't know if he's really going to add that many more wins and then all this stuff that you're having to give up. Um, all this stuff that you're having to give up is is interesting. Especially the money. That's my biggest thing is like – you're talking about Deshaun Watson adding one, maybe two more wins to this Browns organization, and yet they're dumping so much money into him. And I don't know the Browns' cap space and their situation on that. I haven't looked into that yet. But they're paying him $12 million a year more than what he was making previously just to get him there. And you went on your little spiel about, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield wanted to be a Cleveland Brown more than Deshaun Watson does. Let's just be for real. Because Baker Mayfield's been through it all with the Browns. And He's been through the lows. He's been through the highs in Cleveland that they've had. He's gotten, like you talked about, he has gotten people to come play for Cleveland and want to play for the Browns. And so it's weird, man. It kind of blows my mind how the Browns decided it was just time for Baker to go and we're going to bring in Deshaun Watson. If you can get the right team around him, can lead you to a Super Bowl. I've seen Jared Goff. I don't know if you were just rolling your eyes there. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I've seen Jared Goff go to a Super Bowl and almost win it. You know, I, I I think Joe Burrow played excellent this year, um, but he still you know went to ten and seven in the regular season. You know what I mean? And he went on a as a six seed in the NFL playoffs, went to the went to the Super Bowl. I think it's very possible. We've seen it time and time again. There are average quarter. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, man. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. I'm just being real. Yeah, I it's, know. It's really oh no, Deshaun Watson just uh, 
posted from his account. Oh, it's official, huh? He's he's in what a, is he's it? in a Browns jersey. It's his jersey swap. Oh, and he tweets man. out dog pound. Well, it's official then. If he's if I mean if he's posting it, it's it's more than it's probably just about to be official. So Deshaun Watson has is going to be traded to the Cleveland Browns. He will be the new starter in Cleveland come September, October when the NFL gets underway. But let's talk about the other NFL news that happened yesterday evening. I was on the Lee Scott Academy baseball broadcast when this news broke, and I didn't see it till they got done. And I was really depressed when I saw it. It is that Devontae Adams, arguably the best wide receiver in the entire league, has been traded from the Green Bay Packers. He's going to Las Vegas. The Packers received a couple first-round picks, a couple second-round picks, and a third-round pick for Devontae Adams. And it came down to this. Green Bay was going to pay him exactly what he wanted, and he didn't want to be there. Devontae Adams did not want to be there, so he went to – he went to Las Vegas, and they paid him the exact same amount. He just didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. And I think that speaks to the Green Bay Packers organization. I think it speaks to the team. I think it speaks to the situation in Green Bay. And I'm going to be honest, it speaks to Aaron Rodgers. As good as he is as a quarterback, he's still one of the best in the league, one of the best to ever do it. I think it speaks where the top receiver on the team, maybe the top receiver in the entire league, doesn't want to play for that organization anymore. And... Everybody knows how dangerous Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were. They're unstoppable on the field. Unstoppable. A one-on-one duo that cannot be stopped when Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball to Devontae Adams and he didn't want to be there. And you know what? Good for Aaron Rodgers because he got paid. He got his money, right? They paid him a stupid amount of money. Good for him. But who does he have to throw to? Scantley now? Like, that's it. That's I mean, he has MVS. That's it. And it just makes me mad. I'm a Packers fan. I'm a huge Packers fan. And I know Rodgers wanted paid. He wanted his money. That's fine. And I'm glad he's my, still my quarterback. But now he has nobody to throw to. He's got an old Randall Cobb, which I still love Cobb, but he's old. He's older. You know what I'm saying? So you get rid of the best wide receiver and you scare him off and run him out of town because he doesn't want to play with you anymore. That I think that speaks volumes to what's going on in Green Bay. What is what is that volume? What what are those volumes? It's toxic. Okay. It's toxic. Who, who's the reason why it's toxic? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> this man's like, I want Aaron Rodgers to come back, please. I love him. <laughs> I love Aaron Rodgers. He's my quarterback. I get that, but obviously, I thought they were friends. I thought they I thought they liked each other. They do. I, I thought they were, dude. They're unstoppable on the field. Nobody can stop them. But yet, Devontae Adams doesn't want to be there. That's that's what it came down to. Green Bay and Las Maybe he Vegas wants to get paid. They were gonna pay. They're paying him the same amount. He's making the exact same money, the exact same in in Green Bay and Vegas. They're paying him the exact same money. He chose to go to Vegas over Green Bay. What does that tell you? Maybe right? he likes Las Vegas more than Green Bay. Go gamble his money away <laughs> or something. I don't know. But uh, but why would you go and be the receiver for Derek Carr when you could be the receiver for Aaron Rodgers? Like, there's a difference there, you know? And Maybe he doesn't want to play in freezing cold weather. Maybe he was out there in the playoffs in the first round, and he's like, man, this this stinks. I don't want to play in this. This is too cold. I mean, could be. <laughs> go play. Las Vegas is in a dome now, right? Oh, that's right. That's oh. right. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, college. Did they throw to each other in college? That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot is that about Fresno that. State alums right there? Fresno State. But who? I don't know. Get that out of here, man. Get that out of here. Aaron Rodgers, is a, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. If you want to catch passes from Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers, 
get out of here, bro. It, it can't be about on-field stuff. It's got to be off-field because, like I said, when Aaron Rodgers steps back and throws to Devontae Adams, it's over. I mean, it cannot be stopped, whether they're throwing the out route to the sideline, a, cro- a crossing route over the middle of the field, or throwing a goal line fade to him in the end zone. It's unstoppable, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. But no, now he's going to Vegas because he doesn't want to play in Green Bay. But don't worry, Aaron Rodgers got his money. You know what I mean? He got his money. He's in Green Bay. I'm happy about that. It's not the end of the world because the Packers got a lot of good picks. Now, if they can turn those picks into more wide receivers and better defense and some offensive line, yeah, sure, it'll work out. But at the end of the day, it it hurts to lose Devontae Adams if you're a Packers fan, which I am. But anyway, those are the two big major headlines in the NFL. Devontae Adams getting traded to the Las Vegas Raiders last night, and now, as it is going official, Deshaun Watson is going to Cleveland to be a Cleveland Brown. Let's take a break. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Friday edition of the show. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Shane, thanks for holding. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How y'all? We're doing good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, man, sometimes people just don't want to be – they don't want to play in, in freezing environments. When you can go to Las Vegas, um, different scenery, and, and it, the dude's already got money, and he can make, get money anywhere. He already played with Aaron Rodgers, and they, you know, they they did good, but they didn't they didn't do it when they needed to do it. So I think sometimes it's just a change in someone's life when you don't need to stay where you are. He didn't need to stay there because they're not going to pay him more than anybody else maybe he didn't feel wanted and there's a lot of factors other than just this the hall of famer is throwing to you he he already had the hall of famer throwing to him he did that and moved on so i, I just think that you know sometimes maybe it's maybe it's a he just wants to have fun now you know he went maybe he just wants to have fun and it's a fun city fun uh, up-and-coming team uh I, i'm not a vegas fan at all so you know i don't have a, a you know, horse in the race but I think sometimes it's just a change in scenery and people, and and uh, maybe maybe he just didn't feel respected enough enough where he was, and that's that's just my take on it. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, there's no doubt he may have wanted a scenery change, a younger team, an up and coming team. And like, I, I agree with everything you said. All of those could have been factors. Absolutely, we don't know a hundred percent what they were, but I think. Aaron Rodgers being the type of person that Aaron Rodgers is, I think that definitely had something to do with it. But when it comes down to quarterback play, I mean, obviously Rodgers is better yeah, that, than Derek Carr. Not, but right, right. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. That there's, there's, there's no comparison. But I don't think that was. I don't think that was part of his plan anymore because because they did play together for a, a while and he got to experience that. And maybe now he wants to be the dude because. Who's going to be the dude? Him or Derek Carr? It's going to be him, right? So, like, if there's a if there's a pro, you know, if there's a if there's the guy on that team, it's not going to be Derek Carr. He's not the he's not even going to be the best player on the team. So maybe maybe he wants to be the 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 sole star. When he, I don't know, I'm just I'm just throwing out things about why the dude could could have changed I and mean, could have moved. I don't think it had anything to do with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. You know. He, he, I'm sure that he appreciated and, and enjoyed that time, but I don't think it, like that was enough to stay there. 
Fair enough. I, I, I agree with you, Shane. Fair enough. We appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Hey, man, I want to talk about basketball. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. Go Come ahead. Come on, dude. Come on, man. Uh, what did y'all think about about the first 10 minutes? I, I, was, I was like, dang it, not again. But they, I think they needed that. I think they had jitters, and they needed to get that out. And then, and then like a switch flip. I think it was Katie Johnson, and and it was like it was like a different team from that moment on. I just hope that that carries through, and that's the team that we play from that we play with from now on. And if if that is, then we're gonna have a hard time. People are gonna have a hard time stopping us. And I'll hang up this time and I'll listen. War Eagle guy. War Eagle to you too as well, Shane. I was skeptical of how Auburn played through their first fifteen minutes. I didn't like it. Uh, that's what I talked about opening the show. So I agree with Shane there. I don't like how Auburn played through the first 15 minutes, but I do like how Auburn bounced back. And you kind of saw the two you, – you saw both sides of the coin for Auburn today. You saw Auburn when they kind of let somebody hang around, and you saw the Auburn that when they get hot, they're unbeatable. And they'll put 20 they'll, – they'll stretch out a 20-point lead on you, and it's going to be nasty, right? And I think Auburn can do that to a lot of teams uh, in their respective bracket. I think if Auburn can sustain that level of play, they can beat anybody on their way to the Final Four – um, they could win the whole thing that way, but I'm also a little, I'm also a little concerned about, um, you know, on a game to game basis. You know, I, I just said this earlier in the show. I said I'm not getting too high. I'm not getting too low. Um, every game's different. The NCAA tournament's a marathon, not a spread. And so, just because they did something in this game doesn't necessarily they're going to meet it. They're going to do it in the next one or the one after that or the one after that. Auburn could play great for four games, but all it takes is one bad performance to send you home. That's why it's so difficult to win. Uh, NCAA tournament championships and that's why going back to what we were talking about earlier as we switch conversations again um, I think that it would be a very poor decision for Kentucky to fire John Calipari and I know there's some people out there suggesting that uh, slow down because this guy you go up and down the accolades very few coaches have won like John Calipari has won now that Coach K is on the way out uh, the two big dog coaches as far as like major accolades all time what is it him and Jim Beheim? yeah am I forgetting anybody that's the name I was thinking of was Jim Beheim because but I like mean, everybody else is out. But like, what all has Jim Beheim? Exactly, exactly. Just no, saying, firing John Calipari is not the move for Kentucky. I know we just kind of switched 180 on these topics, but firing John Calipari from Kentucky, I mean that. What does that get you? You know what I mean? What do you gain from doing that? I understand he has underperformed quite a bit with the amount of talent that he has had over the years, and I get that. I get all of that, but he still wins at a high level. He still has teams that make runs in the NCAA tournament. He still has teams that win SEC championships at times. He still recruits at one of the highest levels, so that means they obviously have the best chance to make those types of runs. I understand that last season was the worst season in program history, and then you back it up with a first-round loss to 15-seed St. Peter's, but teams go through this, and legendary coaches go through a few spells or a few years where – they have underperformance on their teams, and that's okay. But if you fire John Calipari, who do you hire that's going to do anything better? They're not going to be able to recruit like him. They're not going to be able to coach like him and develop like him. Yes, I understand Kentucky fans are probably extremely frustrated, and we would be too as Auburn fans if that was the scenario. But firing John Calipari, it's not the move. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and be real with you. It's not the move. You're allowed to be frustrated if you're Kentucky fans. We like it because, you know, Auburn, whatever. But – 
no, firing John Calipari is not the move. Let's let's give you a little score update on some games going on in the NCAA tournament before we head to the national break. Nova's about to take care of business against Delaware. They're up by 20. Miami up 31 to 20 on USC at the half. The winner of that play Auburn on Sunday. And Alabama Notre Dame just started off. Bama's up 2-0 early in that game. Guess who the color commentator is in that game? Who? Is it Avery Johnson? It is. Oh, yes. Let's take a break here on the live. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back in on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner. Just 30 more minutes left of the Friday edition of the show. If you've missed any part of it, go and search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following the show. Give you a few score updates of the games going on right now. Notre Dame and Alabama, three and a half minutes in. It's a 3-2 lead for Notre Dame early in that matchup. Miami and USC just underway in the second half. It's a 33-25 lead for the Canes. Ohio State beat Loyola Chicago in the first game of the day, 54-41. And then the next two teams took care of business. Number three seeded Texas Tech takes down Montana State. Sorry, Christian Clemente. They win 97-62. And Purdue three-seeded beat the 14-seed Yale, 78-256. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Terry, welcome in. Guys, how y'all doing today? We're doing good, Terry. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, I agree with both of you. I think Kentucky would be insane to fire John Calipari right now. But, guys, I do think he's probably peaked. I think he's reached his potential. He's took him as far as he's going to get him. Now, is he going to recruit five five star guys? Absolutely. Is he going to win twenty five games more every year? Absolutely. But is he going to continue to get knocked out? Maybe into the Sweet Six. Remember, this is a team that Auburn beat to go to the Final Four a few years ago. You don't think that he can win another national championship? No, I don't. No, no, I don't. Okay, let me ask you this, Terry. How much? How much is the recruiting that John Calipari has done at Kentucky? How much is it John Calipari and not just Kentucky recruiting Kentucky? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, Kentucky basketball is kind of like Alabama football when yeah. you get so good the name kind of recruits as your school but you also kind of need the right coach to get that so that's why right. I like the both part because uh, Alabama wasn't doing what Alabama was doing right now pre-Nick Saban uh and except guys, since uh Stallings and Bear Bryant think about it from this this point of view guys what if Rick Patino had stayed at Kentucky I say he wins at least two more I, I saw that take on Twitter yesterday, and I, I kind of agree because Rick Pitino was he was a legendary coach. He still is. Why can't I, they hire him? <laughs> that, oh, my God. <laughs> Go back to Rick Pitino. Wow. Ruin the, both teams in the state of Kentucky. The state of Kentucky would explode. Yeah. I, I think he I, could I, I have. I just don't see it. What is Pitino, 70? He's up there. I don't know if he's quite he, they're 70. They're not going to fire Cal and go back to Rick Pitino. No way. No, uh, but, not a chance. But I like that question, Terry, if he would have stayed. I think he maybe could have won another one or two. It's a, it's an interesting point. For sure. Remember that when he came along at Kentucky, um, that that was before the kind of the one and done stuff started got out of control. It's gotten it's still around, but it's gotten out of control since. Well, that's that He's is keeping the guys around for two and three years. Yeah. Well, the one and done is the go to for John Calipari. He says that, and I that's agree. what I talked about earlier. He gets guys to the league and quickly. That's his that's his mo, and it's just a different style of coaching. Well, guys, you know there's good news and bad news down at Auburn right now, don't you? What you got for me? The good news, Auburn won today. The bad news is Brian Harson's still there. Take care, guys. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Appreciate the call, Terry. Appreciate the call. You know what's funny? You aren't here for the show for this, okay? It's, it, it has now gone. It has just occurred to me. 
that Terry's dislike for Bo Nix has now transcended to dislike for Brian Harson. Did it he go down to, yesterday? Is he, that what we happened? Used to, we used to keep a timer here in the studio for when Terry would call to see how long it would take <laughs> him to mention Bo Nix. Oh, my God. Okay, at one time it took like three seconds, okay? I'm telling you, like, well, I mean, obviously the, the point of his call was about Bo Nix, obviously, but... I, and now every time it's Brian Harson. That is yeah. hilarious. Look, we appreciate your call, Terry. We always love talking to you, but I still like Brian Harson being there, man. I do. He deserves a shot. He went through. He went through a lot, and he's still there. He may fail. He may not do anything, and he may get fired. He very well might. But he may win some games, and he may be good for Auburn. The only time will tell on that. There's really, really not a whole lot to to discuss on that well, it's the NCAA tournament I'm not talking about no football exactly okay exactly other than maybe all the nonsense going on in the NFL yeah and, hey speaking of which or video U- games hey USC <laughs> hey USC is pulled within three it's 33 to 30 over on true TV 17 minutes to go of course the winner of that will play Auburn on Sunday I'm not sure if we know what time Auburn will be playing on Sunday I've seen a lot of people say it's going to be the night game like the the seven or eight o'clock tip on Sunday but I don't think we officially know when Auburn's going to be playing that, but Alabama and, and Notre Dame currently sitting at three to two with four minutes into the game. Alabama, Avery Johnson's the color commentator. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I love that. Avery Johnson being the color commentator is Brutal. unbelievable. That's so funny. I wonder if he's wonder how he feels about being the color commentator on that game. He may be pro Notre Dame for all yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> he very well might be. He might be. I. I I picked Notre Dame to win this game. I picked them to beat Alabama. I picked Rutgers to beat Alabama if they won. But I picked Notre Dame to beat Rutgers originally. We'll see what Alabama team shows up. Obviously, it's still early. It's 4-3. to three. They haven't hit a 3 yet. I don't know if they've taken one yet. We've got it on here in the studio. So we'll be keeping you updated through the next 20 minutes or so while we're on the air. But make sure you stick around for 4 o'clock. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They'll break down Auburn's win over Jacksonville State just as we have here on our show. But there's been a lot of good basketball yesterday. Let's break down some of the games that happened yesterday, man. I have a question for you, Uh okay? Uh Outside of the Kentucky-St. Peter's upset, because obviously that's the upset of the tournament so far, which result was the most surprising to you yesterday? Hmm. doesn't even have to be an upset. It could be something that went chalk that you didn't think was going to go chalk. Here's two of them, okay? Here's two of them. No, you can only choose one. Well, I'm choosing two. Most surprising. Richmond over Iowa. The 12-5. I know it's a 12-5, but I was really confident in Iowa just dominating that basketball game. I think they had everything to do so. I did not have a chance to watch it. I was on the Lee Scott broadcast, so I didn't get a chance they to watch it. They blew a call where Iowa, Keegan Murray was shooting a three from the corner. I saw the and picture. someone karate was, chopped his arm, yeah, and uh, yeah. they didn't call a foul, even though the SEC official, just going to say that, the SEC official was staring point blank at it from mm. like, 10 feet away I don't know how you missed that yeah that's brutal but that was probably the most shocking because in my brackets all of them I had Iowa winning that game and winning a few more not going to like the final four as a lot of people did you saw Dickie V he had Kentucky and Iowa in his national championship game did you see that that's brutal that's really bad but I it's had... broken baby with a capital <laughs> B I had Iowa winning a few <laughs> games but that was definitely the most shocking but the other one not that North Carolina beat Marquette, but the way they did it. They beat them by 32 points, Noah. North Carolina beat Marquette. That was dirty, man. That was unbelievable. Couldn't believe it. Only by four in the second half, though. <laughs> I'm yeah, j- I'm but messing still, around. I know, still. I'm messing around. That was just a joke. What about you? What was the most surprising, besides Kentucky Ooh. losing to St. Peter's, what was your most shocking result yesterday? doesn't have to be an upset, but it can be. Your most shocking result yesterday, besides Kentucky 
embarrassing themselves on national TV. There were two that I was really surprised about, and I will only choose one, playing by the rules, and then we could talk about our other play, our other ones. We make the rules, man. That's fair. Uh, and my rule was that I only choose one. St. <laughs> Mary's winning by 29 points over Indiana, 82-53. to 53. Those two teams play very similar styles of basketball. That's just a really jarring result, and I thought that Indiana, from a physicality, from a recruit standpoint, was going to be able to match up with St. Mary's in that style of play and at least be able to bang around with them. I was expecting both teams to score in the high 50s. For St. Mary's to score 82 points in their brand of basketball, that's that's something that's something for real, especially when you got the rim protectors that Indiana has. I mean, St. Mary's shot 52% from the field, 48% from three, only took 21 threes and hit 10 of them. Only turned the ball over 10 times. Uh, had 16 assists on 31 made buckets. Out-rebounded Indiana and, and uh, Trace Jackson Davis by, you know, 11. I mean, that that's – it was a dominant performance. Lee was up as far as 34. I, I I was blown away by that. And and honestly, looking at the way that UCLA played, St. Mary's could be a sweet 16 team. And then when you look at the top of the bracket, I'm not, a, I'm not that afraid about the teams in the top of the bracket. I'm telling you, the bottom half of the bracket, whoever's coming out, they can they can go 100 percent. when I saw that I was I was shocked because I really thought Indiana coming out of the first four was going to make it a ball game I thought they were going to play better than they did in that first four game but St. Mary's, Mary's could be a final four sleeper St. Mary's just ran all over them they could be the five seed like Auburn was in 2019 they could be a final four sleeper. and just and run through that bracket so that was your first most shocking game result of yesterday what was your second one I and was, why I was blown away that UCLA played as bad as they did um that was not Akron for 40 minutes Uh, that was not Akron playing great now obviously obviously this could change drastically UCLA could play great against St. Mary's and beat them right that could happen and then everything that we just said is moved because once again the NCAA tournament is a marathon not a sprint and every game is different and the game before it doesn't matter whatsoever but UCLA uh, didn't shoot the three ball terribly. Their three point percentage was higher than their field goal percentage, which tells you that once again, and I said this earlier show, they were awful inside the arc against Akron of all teams, right? And, and no disrespect to the Mac, who has had some NCAA tournament success over the years. UCLA almost lost to a team that only had four total assists. Jacob, four total assists. That's a UCLA team not playing well because I don't think Akron played well either. I just think UCLA was that bad yesterday in the run of play and I did not expect that at UCLA was one of the more picks that I was comfortable it was one of the picks I was comfortable about the most in the first round and luckily it went chalk but um I don't really even care anymore after what happened to that region yeah well <sighs> here's here's how it here's what shows how little we actually know about the tournament you and I talked about this we were when we were filling out our brackets throughout the week we loved the 13 over fours we loved those matchups and we happened. and we hated the 12 fives we thought the fives were going to go chalk we liked a couple 13s to beat the fours and all of the four seeds won yesterday all four of them they all played all four one or all four of the four seeds won yesterday and then in the 12 five matchup two out of the three 12s beat the fives shows how little we know or how much we can actually predict exactly that's what i was going to say how little we can predict of what actually is going to happen over 20 million brackets were filled out this year i think there's less than 200 perfect ones and there may be some less now that was before the games got started to be fair the 13 fours were very close basketball games they were they They went down to the final 30 seconds with it being a one possession ball game so to be fair 
they were not terrible upset selections. Exactly. They just didn't happen. It's, doesn't that number blow your mind, though? Over 20 million brackets were filled out. And as of this morning, just through the games yesterday, there was only less than 200 of them remained perfect. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. I'm shocked that two less that 200 of them potentially are perfect. I know. But, I mean, think about that, man. That's so many to miss like out. Those, and that's those just, people that had St. Peter's winning, those people were just messing around. Oh, nobody actually legit picked the Peacocks to beat the Wildcats. What do you think about the – and did you see the picture of their gym compared to Rupp Arena? Those gyms are hype. I don't know what you're talking about. Those gyms are cool. Those gyms get loud. I like those gyms. Don't be like that. <laughs> I'm not hating on it. I'm not hating on it. It was just the comparison between that and Rupp. It's 3,000 versus 20-something thousand. I would challenge you this. What do you think the overall – I don't know this for a fact, but just imagine how much Kentucky pays Calipari, which is like over $8 million a year. Imagine how much the athletic budget at St. Peter's is in comparison to Ooh, that. Just well, think you, about that. Well, you saw the numbers about just the coaching about staff that. that make the differential on the coaching staff. There's assistants on Kentucky that make more than the St. Peter's head coach. Think about oh, I that. believe it. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the athletic budget at St. Peter's, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested. I'd, I'd be interested to see what that I is. I saw a tweet – about it and i i saw some numbers that they put out there but i don't know if it i I, since i can't fact check it i'm not going to say it because they may be wrong but uh, it's definitely what i saw was very interesting yeah well there's no doubt about that yesterday was an insane day of the ncaa tournament so far it hasn't been too crazy but the higher seeds have been playing so far this morning i think as the day goes on it's going to get crazier let's take a break here on the line when we come back we'll preview the games going on this afternoon and this evening you're listening to on the line here on espn 106.7 in fox sports central alabama Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Just a few more minutes here in hour number two before we get out of here at four o'clock. Make sure you stay tuned in. The drive will be on with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck coming up after us. We've got the Notre Dame-Alabama game on here in the studio. And it looked like Alabama had a starter get some help off the floor. He was limping off. Javon Quinterly has just now been listed as out for the rest of the game. Man, it's a knee injury. According to the video broadcast. Yeah, according to the TV. They just just put a graphic up. He is out for the rest of the game. They are just over 10 minutes into the first half, so that is not good news for Alabama because obviously when he gets hot, offensively he can just he carries that team well it makes it all the more important for jd davison to fulfill that role because they kind of they play in exchange for each other in the system um jd davison a lot of times can come off the bench and perform for him and play that role of the distributor and point guard that gets downhill right jq is not one of the best three-point shooter in the world neither is jd davison but they can both get north and south and help collapse the defense to get the ball out to who their main shooter is which is Shackelford or Keon Ellis on a good day as well so it's about getting those guys opportunities on the perimeter and uh breaking down a defense and that it's about to come down on J.D. Davidson today for Alabama to be able to advance and if he has a good game I mean he can carry this Alabama team to a win I mean they're down by two right now it's 19 to 17 with nine minutes to go in the first half but JQ going out for the rest of the game it said a knee injury on the TV broadcast is what they said I didn't see the injury we were coming back from break but I just saw the last clip of him getting helped off the floor he is on crutches walking back into He's got a full on uh He's got a full on brace on there right now on his knee just looking at it. He's on crutches. He is man, he he may be he may be done for the tournament if Bama even wins this game today. So 
Um, you hate to see that. That's not what you want to see at all. You want your best players playing in March. Yeah, exactly. You want the best players playing on the best teams in March, and that's that 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 hurts for Bama. There's no doubt. But before we get out of here, Noah, you kind of disappointed me because I was going to ask you about the games you were looking forward to tonight, but you're not really looking forward to a whole lot of them. I did, I, th- I don't think tonight's slate is that great. Um, I would beg to differ. I wouldn't be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if things go chalk for the rest of the day. Uh, not, not saying in that the NCAA tournament, you not, want everything to go chalk. Get out no, of here! But I, I think Illinois has got a really good shot to beat Chattanooga. Duke obviously over Cal State Fullerton. I think obviously. LSU is going to eat Iowa State alive. Uh, but now that I just said that so emphatically, LSU is going to lose. Uh, Arizona just I think Arizona is going to beat Wright State. I really like Houston over UAB. Once again, now that I just said really or something emphatically about a game, the complete opposite is going to happen. And Jelly Walker is going to go for like 80 tonight for UAB or something like that. Davidson-Michigan State is going to be a good basketball game. Michigan State only favored by one. But the two teams just, they don't do a whole lot for me. They're just, it's kind of, yeah. They're not great teams. They're just, they're good enough. And the Colgate-Wisconsin's a 14-3 matchup, you know. Um, you really like that Colgate team to win tonight. And the TCU-Seton Hall will be pretty good, but, man, um, that's going to be a rock fight. Yeah, it, it's going to be, be a rock fight. It's going to be a rock fight. There's some games on right now. Villanova's about to wrap it up against Delaware. They're up by 21 with a couple minutes to go. Miami-USC, of course, the winner will move on to take on Auburn on Sunday. Of course, Auburn won and beat Jacksonville State this morning, this afternoon, with a 19-point victory over Jacksonville State. So Miami and USC they're in a battle. It's 40-38 to 38 USC with 12 minutes to go. That is on True TV if you want to flip that on and watch because, again, the winner will go and play Auburn. If you're Auburn, we talked about it, and Miami just tied it up at 40. You want to see Miami, I think, if you're, if you're Auburn. We talked about that and broke that down. Notre Dame currently on top, 21-19 to 19 over Alabama with eight minutes to go in the first half. And Virginia Tech and Texas, 11-6 seed, getting underway seven minutes into the first half. The Hokies on top of the Longhorns, 11-7. to 7. Man, I, I have to disagree with you. I think there's some decent games. I think Chattanooga can hang around with Illinois tonight. I like Duke to beat Fullerton tonight. I like that. LSU, I agree. I think LSU is their defense. Even though they don't have a coach, I think their defense will swarm Iowa State tonight. Arizona is going to beat Wright State like a drum. UAB Houston, I think Houston either blows them out or it's going to be come down to the absolute wire. This man just just destined an, a 16-1 upset. <laughs> I'm okay with Be that. Be careful with what you're saying. I'm okay, okay. with that. Davidson, <laughs> the complete Michi- opposite will yeah. happen. Yeah. That's David- how this yeah. tournament's been. Davidson, Michigan State. I think Davidson wins, but I think it's going to be a good game. I love Colgate tonight. Give me the toothpaste. The crest, the Colgate over Wisconsin. I love that pick. And then TCU, Seton Hall, like you said. It's going to be ugly. It'll be ugly, but it'll be close. It'll come down to the wire, but it is going to be ugly. And then... Of course, today it's gone chalk so far. Ohio State over Loyola, Chicago. Texas Tech beating Montana State and Purdue beating Yale. We've got a lot of good basketball coming up. And then this weekend, when we come back on Monday, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. We're going to have a Sweet 16 at that point. We're going to have a Sweet 16 bracket out. Once we come back on Monday, we're going to break that down, break down the games from Saturday and Sunday in the round of 32. I think we're going to have a lot of intriguing matchups. You're going to see some higher seeds or some lower seeds in the Sweet 16 because we have a couple double-digit matchups already in the round of 32. Tournament's been crazy. I think it's going to get even crazier. But I think by the time you get to the Elite Eight, it's going to be top three and four seeds from the rest of the way. You know, before we get out of here today, I just want to go back to something that I oh, talked no. about yesterday. Oh, I, I wasn't here yesterday. so Something that I talked yesterday about. Um, I just want to alert everybody um, 
about the Mountain West Conference and how poor it has been at this NCAA tournament. 0-4. Blew two leads. Atrocious. Big leads, by the way. I mean, San Diego State was up double digits on Creighton at one point. Horrible. Blew it. Um, you know, Wyoming lost to Indiana. Never really. I don't even know if they led in that game, except Ridiculous. in the early stages. Colorado State had a 28-13 to 13 lead. Blew it. Bracket over busters. Michigan. And then, uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. And then, uh, but I know you're just trying to find random words to throw in there that are NCAA tournament related. And then Boise State until the final minutes. I mean, they, they were not in that game against Memphis. No, they weren't. Awful. <laughs> and, I just, and I'm saying that because I think Texas A&M royally, they, they, they deserve to have been in this tournament and they, they were not treated fairly. Do you, the uh, fact that the Mountain West got four bids, lost all four, and several of them were not, uh, were not good performances – that's oh man i don't know if i can i don't know if that league's gonna have my trust for a little yeah (laughs) i saw a couple i saw a couple top tier media personalities on twitter bashing buzz williams for coming out of that press conference in the nit after they won their first game and part of the system okay they're also they're a part of it i know i know i think it was i think he had every right to do what he did if you if you don't know what i'm talking about buzz williams after texas a&m won their first game in the nit he came out and had a nine minute seven minute or seven minute blasting of the ncaa and the selection committee saying they should have been in and people were dogging him i think he had the right to do it they deserved to be in they did and they yesterday, played their way and in. yesterday proved it but that's gonna do it for the friday edition of on the line we'll be back monday to break down the sweet 16 enjoy watching basketball stay safe we'll see you later